This presentation is from UX Australia 2018, held in Melbourne. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au. Hi everyone, um, hope you're having a great day. Um, there's been some fantastic talks that I've been attending and I can see some really common threads through the way we're talking about human-centred design, so you'll probably see some in my talk as well. Um, and I'm here to talk about design systems and agility and why they're important to being more human-centred. So um, I'll get going, because I've got a lot of slides and hopefully I'll be able to fit them all in. So I guess um, thinking about some of the organisational considerations and systemic challenges that we have as designers, why are design systems important? And a question would be, are they at all? Um, so thinking about our working context in UX and tech, I'll be talking to that first. and then thinking about the complex adaptive systems that Lauren Curry actually spoke about this morning in her, in her amazing keynote. Um, how does that actually apply to agility as well as design systems and humans that interact with each other in teams as well as our users? And I'll give you a little story about the weather. I think that's a little bit similar to what we do every day, um, dealing with the weather but with technology and systems that interact with us and our organisations and our customers. And then I'll talk to you about why I think design systems are important. But I didn't think it was enough just to talk about my experience, so I have run a little survey. And if I have time, I'll share some of the results. Um, I've had some great responses and it's still live, so if you look at my Twitter, um, you'll, you'll see it's pinned there, so you can actually add in responses and I'll publish it later. So thinking about Conway's Law, which is pretty old, 1968, um, he, had, um, he created a paradigm based on research around software design um, in, in relating back to the way we actually design systems in organisations. And Melvin Conway talked about the fact that we replicated internal processes and our sort of mental model of how, sh how things should actually work. And if we think about that in relation to Murphy's Law and the constraints we have when we make changes to systems, we're often very conservative about change and that's why we undertake changes with um, feedback loops and ideally with processes that help us run experiments and understand um, whether or not the changes we're making are actually of value. So if we think about the current state of technology and how fast it's going at the moment and certainly in the work that I'm doing at RMIT Online, we're thinking about the future of work and how it affects all of us. Um, the accelerating pace of change, um, illustrated here with Kurzweil's law of accelerating returns and the singularity principle at the top, we're thinking about a lot of change happening very quickly in our society and that obviously affects the way we work. So um, this is me and I've got a funny little tombstone up there that I um, used a meme creator to create. But um, I actually don't think anything's written in stone and it's really difficult to predict things and that's why our um, industry is so complex and why design is so important. So thinking about agility, I've, I've been interested in being agile for at least four to five years and had my epiphany in 2013. And um, I really like the idea of design systems but I think there's a lot of attachment around what we need to do with them and I'd like to discuss that a bit further and what they actually mean to us. So shifting away from Conway's Law, we've had a lot of conversation um, from Meld Studios today at, um, around um, human-centred design and business strategy and how that's become more important and we have more of a seat at the table now and we're more part of the system in terms of decision making and how we actually influence outcomes. 
Um, we also have adjustments to agile's, agile ways of working and um, there's a lot of transformation occurring in different industries and environments that we work in. There's a lot of industries disrupting now and people are looking to agile as a way of actually improving things through the way we work and um, actually adding value to customers through our systems sooner as well as our internal populations. Um, we have changes to engineering methods and architectural approaches which have influenced design systems. And we also have exponential increases, as I've already mentioned, in technology advancement and increasing automation. So if you think about all of those conditions, there's a lot happening. And um, so we have microservices architecture, which is a you know, past 10 years trend, um, looking at modularity of software and services, and that relates quite strongly to the way we look at service design. We also had um, atomic design, which influenced the responsive design frameworks that we see now and um, design systems from Airbnb, for example, that are quite public and well regarded, have been built around these kind of frameworks. Um, we look at services and we look at how we can actually um, identify moments in customer experiences as well as our internal working populations experiences and how they relate to each other and how we can improve them. So there's a lot happening. Um, but what Mrs. Murphy's Law says is that anything could go wrong when um, Murphy is out of town and, um, you know, you could apply any gender for that relationship. But um, I think as designers we, we think about that and we're concerned about it and we try to apply controls over things that um, we may not trust others to actually interact with. And when we're thinking about agility and design mindsets, we really need to start letting go a little bit to things that we think are part of our execution responsibilities. So if we think about um, being designers of experiences and making sense of complex relationships which have been talked about today, um, there's lots of different kinds of systems and in the theory of complex adapt adaptive systems we think about the people who design things and the way they interact together, that's a system. If you take one person out and put another person in, that changes the system. Um, the product system or service that we actually design and build and, you know, um, people consume and users interact with. And we've also got the populations of customers and users who are affected by the changes we make and may change over time. So there's a lot of different moving parts. So the systems we design are complex and adaptive, not unlike the weather, and I'll talk about that soon. But thinking about complex ad adaptive system theory, I've got a bit of a summary here. And it really talks to um, how, um, how that is defined and you'll see the relationship between this and, um, hopefully, between this and Agile because it really influenced the way we work. So um, a CAS is made up of many individual parts or agents and they follow simple rules. And if you think about those rules, um, there may not be a single thing that's actually coordinating those relationships. So if you think about the systems we design, we have multiple teams working on different parts of the system. They all interact with each other. That's kind of how a complex adaptive system works. And we may have emergent patterns that are generated as a result of that. So if you think about the way we get user feedback, we might pilot, test or prototype early to monitor that, that change before we actually put it out there. And thinking about how the system adapts or reacts afterwards, there might be long tail effects to those system changes that we just can't perceive early. So that's in summary, um, they're leaderless, um, they, cr they um, acknowledge emergent patterns, they're often non-linear, they're self-organising, 
there is a feedback loop, so one change has a reaction somewhere else or it may be a direct reaction. They tend to be adaptive. Um, you think about joints in an arm, they tend to be adaptive. So, you know, um, my elbow relies on my shoulder. Um, chaotic system behaviour can often occur, so we know with human beings there is an element of the unknown. Um, similarly with systems, we can't always predict downstream effects and they're often governed by chance, so thinking about chance as a factor in the way we make decisions is quite a big deal. So, just pulling right back out of that and to the Agile Manifesto, if we think about individuals and interactions, customer collaboration, working software and responding to change, those are underpinning manifesto statements that actually relate to the way we interact with systems. And um, Coben and Highsmith did talk about this in relation to the development of the manifesto. So there is research around this and, and published articles about the interactions between them. So you can see how engineering teams and um, bigger minds, I suppose, in the engineering domain have been trying to solve these problems and how they can actually help engineers do better jobs and help the organisations they serve as well as the customer. So thinking about the principles in the um, Agile principles that relate to the manifesto, I've just pulled out four um, and I've used these before in another slide um, last year in managing design um, where I talked about teams but this also relates to design systems and the interactions between these different system types. Um, so thinking about the fact that design is really included in the Agile Manifesto and principles and we shouldn't feel that there is a, it's an artificial tension that I think we perceive and often designers feel uncomfortable about because of the way Agile manifests into Scrum, for example, or different kinds of maybe safe um, frameworks where, you know, the objectives of Agile may be misinterpreted to be biased towards speed rather than value. So there is a real tension there and dissonance and if we think about um, the fact that really the intent of the Agile Manifesto is to support being closer to the user, um, it's highly complementary to the way we want to work. I think if we can optimise and be self-organised around the best results. That's my feeling. Um, so how are complex adaptive systems like people, teams or design systems? That's a good question. So I'm going to give you a little bit of a story about the weather. Um, the weather is a great example of a complex adaptive system and as designers we often act like satellites so we might be observing things like the weather um, and looking at patterns and interactions and the effects of those changes and there might be other inherited effects with other actors in those relationships so it might not just be the weather, it might be the people who experience a snowstorm. And we might also influence and change the effects periodically. So we might have a bunch of teams working at the same time on different parts of the system um, and instituting change at different rates, maybe not synchronously. So you can see here there's different parts of the weather system interacting in a radar chart and that's a little bit like us in technology and extended systems that are social. So thinking about how they work and how that comes out overarchingly in a holistic experience that relates to our products, services or systems, it's quite complex. Um, and we might have different ways to help us monitor change and methods that might help us um, increase predictability, but as we know it's really difficult to predict whether in two weeks time it's probably easier to predict it in a couple of days. Um, so we often use analytics and event tracking 
and observation techniques to understand what's actually going on with the weather and similarly in our systems and services we can build them in. It's quite frustrating for many of us when we don't have them so we need to change that and increase um, the support in our cultures to actually have the ability to, um, to see what's going on. So um, nothing is reliable though as um, the ability to understand change re retrospectively and you can see this is a chart with um, about 10 years of El Nino um, and over weeks or months or years it's highly reliable but does that really predict future, future states? That's a question to answer. Um, and thinking about the barriers to predictability and the limitations that we have because um, we don't have crystal balls that are reliable, um, we have to consider um, the system adjustments that we make and how we are actually going to be responsible about those changes. Um, and that's where there may be a bias in incremental change in engineering and, and the way we shift things. So um, the people who interact with these changes might say, is this weird? And that's um, quite a you know, um, good question that we might have as experienced designers if there's a high level of um, unknown and a low level of confidence in the changes that we're making. Um, and I'll get to the point soon around design systems because this relates. But the effects of these changes can be chaotic and sometimes chaos does happen and we have to accept that that happens and we learn from it. So having the understanding of how to sort of tune those decisions well is part of our roles and um, understanding the fact that there is limited predictability often is actually part of what we need to do as experienced designers and the way we influence our teams. Um, so thinking about the effects of snow, for example, um, someone might say, oh no, it's snow, I've got to dig my car out of the snow, as you can see here, because um, in Boston this year in March there was a, well, a predicted snowstorm within a few days that was fairly heavy and affected a lot of people and limited public transport. But then you can see in this photo, when you're prepared for the snow, it can be quite beautiful and wonderful and it can be a great experience and that's similar to the way we change systems. When we make changes to systems, they may have good or bad effects and we may not be able to have 100% assurance that it will always be good. So this is the, um, a visualisation of the butterfly effect that's closely coupled with, um, with complex ad adaptive system theory. And it relates to this sensitivity of, to initial conditions and Edward Lorenz was actually analysing changes in weather to come up with this theory. So if you think about this and the way we design experiences, it's really important that we benchmark and understand experiences early before we make changes and that's where systems become useful, particularly in design. So um, just to take that a little bit further, here's another example, a little bit like the arm example I gave you before. It's a little bit more predictable because I control my arm, but when you don't have direct control, you can see that the outcome of the double pendulum simulation is quite different to the single pendulum. And that's really how it is when we change systems. It can be unpredictable. So um, when we're sailing, um, it might be difficult to predict the weather conditions for more than a few days in advance. And that's why we have the vision pieces that we talk to when we're actually talking to North Stars because when we make small changes, it helps us make sense and keep a radar on. So thinking about Clem Clement Monk's quote here, um, 
design in its broadest sense is the enabler of the digital era, era and it renders technology usable. What does that mean to us with our sense of a need, of need for control and design systems? It actually does have an, an impact on us and so I've been in a number of businesses where we've had design systems in various maturity levels and I've seen that there's a real sort of closely coupled chicken and egg effect with you know, how we actually interact with the organisation versus how we're supported versus getting that design system executed to serve the rest of the organism. And, um, and I feel that um, it's highly important for these reasons. So it's not enough to give um, users the hammer or our design system users internally. We also need to give them a playbook on how to use it. And the reason for that is that we need to have time to be human-centred. I'm just, I'm just pacing up a bit because I don't have much time. So, <laughs> so um, why do we have design systems and why do they help in Agile teams? Well, these are my, um, my theories. We often have complex problems that need to be solved and we need time to be able to solve them. And in order for any designer of any T-shape um, to be able to be involved in that problem-solving process, they need to have a way or a, a tool or a design system to help them do it. And because um, we need to constrain design and system legacy um, and having that incremental approach to design, design systems really help us create measured decisions around the interface in order to make changes. It also is really important to consider usability and accessibility constraints in how we actually build systems. So thinking about the fact that we can actually build these constraints into our systems and they can propagate across a wider organism is super valuable. And design systems tend to democratise the process of design in execution so we can get on with the hard stuff, which is the human-centredness and doing the research, the testing, the prototyping, all the stuff that makes a difference to users. So um, I have a theory, and I'm pretty sure it's going to come true, we're already seeing it, that um, roles are starting to collide and interaction design is starting to form into a role with you know, engineering. And we just need to accept that. Um, that to some degree engineers will become hybrid designers and in fact they're part of that craftsmanship. So maintaining and lowering, maintaining collaboration and lowering friction between the roles is super important so we can get on with the hard stuff. And um, we might have tensions here where there's a red designer and a red engineer and multiple sources of truth. We need to minimise the sources of truth to create one source of truth and it may be that in these design systems that we're creating for um, technology artefacts that we just need a single one and it may be sitting with the engineers, it may be all of us. So we need to um, look at that together. I have um, actually run a survey and I don't know how much time I've got, Jenna. <laughs> Two minutes. Um, so I've had about 26 responses so far and I've had responses from businesses across the world um, people who are specialised in design systems and who aren't. And I'd really love to have your feedback because I will publish the feedback in an article. Um, but just to give you um, a little bit of um, information around the kind of people who are responding, it is in the UX space, um, various levels of seniority, information around what people are doing. They're all involved in design testing and research mainly. It's fairly, um, fairly consistent. If you think about that, there's quite a high cognitive load on designers. So um, if we can minimise that cognitive load with 
great design systems and great adoption within organisations to help us get to the human-centred design, I think that'd be really amazing. Um, and there are a whole lot of reasons why um, design systems are great for users and you can see, when I say users, I'm talking about teams as well as the end users of design systems um, because we can increase collaboration, we can improve interactions, we have consistency, we feel that there's an ease of use both for the people who interact with the design system from a build perspective as well as increasing ease of use for the people at the end of that um, experience. So thinking about that, it's pretty important. Um, and there is a strong belief from the people who've responded so far that we do need design systems. Um, and these are the reasons why. And there's pretty sort of nice reasons for why that might be. Some do have design systems and some don't, and some feel that they're unmaintained, and there's a various, um, there's a whole reasons collection around that in the qualitative data that I'll share on Medium. And there's a whole lot of effort involved in creating design systems internally to support your um, user experience and service, service experience execution. So it's really interesting, um, great data, certainly um, shows that there's an importance there from the design community um, so far. And um, many of the respondents were working in agile teams and many felt that design systems were super important to their work in agile teams. In terms of the importance, um, in terms of the importance, um, it really relates to having time to focus on users and doing the human-centered design heavy lifting. And um, people still feel it's important in waterfall context. They don't think it's isolated to agile. There's still a benefit. And um, most people say that it's really um, the triad. So we've got, you know, in engineering, I suppose engineering focus teams. We've got the UXs and product designers and UI designers and visual designers collectively with the engineers and the front-enders um, with some involvement from product but not too much there in this current um, state of the survey. And the value is perceived to be reasonably high um, to user-centred design. Um, however, um, it's, it's not um, considered to be central. I suppose, and the perceived value for teams is higher, which is quite interesting. Um, and that's really to do with um, building maturity, um, changing the game with how people work together, creating a system benchmark. And for users, again, it's mixed, so that user-centred design versus users. Um, great points that were made there around users don't need to know, but it, um, the outcome, if it actually helps the outcome for the user, they're super useful. And perceived value, perceived value is um, really um, mixed as well. So from the org, um, org perspective, the perceived value of the org seeing the design system as valuable is quite sort of, um, well, I suppose, um, even. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And I hope that's useful data. And um, yeah, do you have any questions? Thank you for listening to this presentation from UX Australia 2018. For more presentations, please visit uxaustralia.com.au.